bank. Hey, Brett. Hey, Ange. How's it going today? Pretty good. All right, guys. Well, it's Brett and Ange, so that means it's another episode of Money in the Bank. This is kind of an exciting one because if you're listening on iTunes and Stitcher, you don't know this, but if you're on YouTube, this is our first podcast video. That's right. You can see me waving to you like I've been doing this whole time. <laughs> so um, kind of fun. So if you are on YouTube, please subscribe. Um, if you're on iTunes or Stitcher, stay where you are. You don't have to convert. We will continue posting them there as well. Um, we're just, you know, offering another avenue. So the more the merrier, That's right? right. Doing new things. All right. Well, this week I wanted to talk about something that I know is kind of on our minds as we live in Michigan, and that's kind of getting ready for winter and having a fall savings checklist. That's right. It's getting really cold around here now and, you know, finally starting to get away those summer toys, you know, and, and start getting out the snowmobiles and the uh, snow blowers, also, unfortunately. But you get to put the lawnmower away, uh, which is a great thing for me because I'm sick of mowing the yard, the yard about this time of year. Um, well, don't get too excited, Brett, because you shouldn't put your lawnmower away quite yet. You know why? Why is that? Oh. You should be using it right now to mulch your leaves. Oh, okay. I have done that before. Uh, my lawnmower actually has like a mulch setting on it or whatever, where it doesn't shoot it out the side. It just kind of like floats the leaves up on the inside and then back down. Same with the grass. Um, so I've been doing that, uh, for the last week or so. And I just run right over the yard and it gets rid of everything in its path. So, uh, it does pine cones too, which I don't think you're supposed to do. But it does a great job. <laughs> Probably <with it>. not <laughs> supposed to do pine cones. Um, but no, it's great that we mulch here, um, for a few reasons. So not only does it actually save you money because you're not buying the bags that you have to put the leaves in. Um, but MSU came out with a study recently saying that you can mulch six inches, up to six inches of leaves and it actually is beneficial to your yard, and it fertilizes it. So come spring, you don't have to get the fertilizer out. It's just good to go. Definitely good fertilizer. I don't know if I can handle six inches, though. Uh, I think I did about three the other day. There was, like, quite a big pile, and I was really struggling with it. <laughs> so I don't think it's supposed to be six inches all at once. I think it's an aggregate for your yard. Oh, over the season? Yeah. So you okay. could do, like, two <laughs> inches each week for three weeks or something. Yep. Um, but, you know, a lot of people, I think don't realize how much you can mulch. We live in a really wooded area and it's been completely fine to just mulch them. Yep. Um, it's not like we, you still see leaves when, when he does it. It's literally just green grass again. It is oh, for like one day <laughs> and, then there's, and then there's more leaves on the, off the trees the next day as soon as the wind blows. Yeah. Um, but I try to not do it when it's wet cause that would be a mess, but yeah, I let it dry out for a couple days and then they just disappear. Yeah, yeah. It's great. And it's great because like I said, you know, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. It's you save money, you know, two times over in the fall and the spring, but it's actually like better for the environment too. And I think whenever you can like combine and do something that's good for you and good for the earth, like who wouldn't do that? I mean, if even if it like cost me like a little bit more to make it easier for me out in the yard, I would probably pay for that. But since it's paying me more money and it's better for everybody, that's a no-brainer, yeah. right? And yeah. I do think it's actually easier, even though you still have to mow right now, I think it is easier than bagging leaves. Oh, raking, bagging. You know, when I was a kid, we used to get the tarps out and like, you know, rake all the leaves onto the tarp and then drag them to the street. And we had like street pickup for leaves where I lived before. Oh man, it was, it was a, it was a whole evening event, right? Yeah. So. All right. Well, I think we uh, covered that one pretty well. <laughs> so the next one I wanted to talk about was um, actually like 
a closet clean out of sorts. So, you know, I think a lot of times you might have, you know, clothing that you wear in the winter and summer. You know, it's time to kind of put away all your tank tops and pull mm. out your sweaters. And while you're doing that process and kind of reorganizing your clothes, it's a really good time to just kind of check in and be like, do I still need this? And if you don't, you can either donate it or you could resell it to here we have Plato's Closet, but I know there's a lot of different consignment shops. Yeah, I mean, anywhere we'll take clothes, right? Like we, we've donated to Goodwill in the past too. I mean, there's no shortage of places anywhere you live that is looking for warm clothes in the winter, right? Um, there's, there's all kinds of people that need that stuff. Um, but you could also get rid of, I mean, this is a good time to do a check and look at what summer clothes you didn't wear, uh, you know, over the last six months or so. And say, okay, if I didn't wear it this year, when was the last time that I wore it? And, you know, then do the same thing with your winter clothes. Did I wear this, you know, winter thing last year? Or if you got something for the holidays last year, um, you know, and it's replacing something you wore. Like, oh, I got a new coat last year, but I was still kind of wearing both coats last year or, you know, before the, before Christmas. Um you know, tone it back and say, oh, maybe I don't need that other code anymore. And that would be a great thing to donate like that. Yeah. And, you know, I think so this is kind of a weird one because a lot of people are like, OK, so where's the money savings? Right. We're a financial podcast. Well, if you sell your clothes, you can get a little bit of money. If you donate them, you can get a tax write off. Um, but regardless, I've noticed for myself as I've kind of scaled down the clothing in my closet. I keep the pieces that I really like that are more versatile mm -hmm. that I can wear to work, but also after work to grab dinner with friends. Um, where in the past, I kind of felt like I had two different, like I had my professional wardrobe and then I had my casual wardrobe. And now as I try to find pieces that can do both, it's just simplified my life. And I find myself buying a lot less clothes. I feel like I don't really have to like keep up with the Joneses anymore, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, I think that's a great thing to do is, you know, just downsize a little bit. It's good for you, too, to feel like you're not exploding from the closet also. It's year. great to walk in the closet and be like, I know where everything is and I can pull out the sweater I want in two seconds. Because a lot of times if you have a really cluttered closet, you don't you truly don't even know what you have. And I say this from experience. And I think anybody I went to college with can, like, confirm that you know, I used to just have so... Like, my senior year of college, I had two closets, and they were both filled to the brim. So I really didn't ever know where anything was. And now that it's, like, in one spot, it's it does save me money because I'm not, like, rebuying things like a black cardigan a million times, right? I just know where my black cardigan is. Yeah, most people, you know, they, they wear things that they like on a repeat basis. I know, like, shirts that I like, I, like, wear them out like crazy, so. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, you know what you like, you know what you don't really like, and, you know, every once in a while I keep brushing by the same things in my closet, and I'm like, yeah, it's about time for those things to leave. But Yeah. All right, well, I think we covered that one pretty exhaustively. We're, we're great at nailing topics till they're dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the next one, we're kind of changing directions here. Um, and this is food-related, which is our favorite thing to talk about on the podcast in general is food. Um, and this one kind of relates to um, getting those seasonal vegetables right now, like mm -hmm. squash and... I know apples are still in season here in Michigan. And, and pumpkins. And pumpkins. Yeah. Uh, technically a squash? Yes? Yes. Um, or a gourd? I don't know. Anyways, um, getting those those vegetables while they're in season and you can freeze them or, you know, you can take the pumpkin seeds out and dry them and you really use them throughout the winter. So buy them while they're cheap and then, you know, preserve them for the winter. And we are definitely... 
big fans of doing that. Oh, yeah, we get really excited about squash in the fall. Because, uh, you know, that's not something you really see very much, in, even in the gr- regular grocery stores throughout the year, is, like, you know, big uh, butternut squash or acorn squashes, or now we find the, the delicata squash. We've been oh, eating yeah. like crazy. Um, it's been very inexpensive, and everything around that is so easy to do. Right, we just like basically put like salt and pepper on it, throw it in the oven with like roll it in some olive oil, and just bake it for like twenty minutes, um, and it's delicious. Well, and the butternut squash will do same the, the same thing, but then we top it with toasted pumpkin seeds, and it is literally my favorite meal right now. I'm trying to get everybody to eat it, and it's you know back to the financial side of things. I calculated it; it is fifty cents a serving right now, which is super cheap. I mean, that's cheaper than the dollar menu cheap, and that's when. We eat, like, at the same time. A lot of the times we have it, we have leftovers for lunch the next day. So then it's even right. cheaper. Yeah. No, and so, you know, the more you can kind of do things like that. And I am a, I definitely think the food even tastes better and it's cheaper. So it's a win-win. Um, so I just kind of want to run down the list of food that, you know, we've been stocking up on to give some people ideas. If you're interested in doing this to save some money on groceries. Um, so like we mentioned, squash. Cabbage is another big one, and we actually just make sauerkraut with that most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, yeah, I mean, throw it, you can throw it in salads. We've made coleslaw before, too, but mm-hmm. sauerkraut always turns out the best. Yeah. yeah, sauerkraut is so good. And the nice thing with sauerkraut is, you know, it's a natural fermentation process that it um, naturally preserves the cabbage for the whole winter without having... You just add salt and cabbage and let it go for a month on the counter and then pop it in your fridge. And it's good for, you know, quite some time and really good to add to soups. Um, if you don't think <laughs> you're a sauerkraut sauerkraut fan, I'd encourage you to try homemade sauerkraut because it is very different than what you, what you get in the store. Yep. Um, the next one, since I mentioned soup, I make my own bone broth. Um, and you might wonder why you'd want to make your own broth. Well, not only do I think it tastes better... And there's less sodium in it, which is kind of nice, but it's much cheaper. Oh, it's super cost effective to make it because when you do make it, I mean, you make it from ideally a whole chicken, right, Um, that you've cooked up and, you know, taken all the meat off of. But then you just have the leftovers and you just throw those in a crock pot with some basically water, right? And then it turns into this huge cauldron of delicious, uh, what would be very expensive for that amount of chicken broth Mm -hmm. um, for nothing. And it tastes even better than I, you know, in the store, like for sure. Right, yeah. And so when we make it, you know, we take a chicken carcass that we've cooked up. And honestly, getting a whole chicken is the most cost-effective way to get chicken. Um, and then, yeah, we toss it in, we fill it up with water and some celery and onions and a couple seasonings, yeah. all that. Um, but, you know, then it makes like five quarts, I think, or something crazy. And we just freeze it. It's that easy. So, yeah, definitely worth doing that, I'd say. And yeah. And even if, uh, you know, if you guys don't want to do it yourself, if you want me to do it and I'll charge you half of what you can buy for in the store, I'll be happy to do that and send it to you. There we go. Uh, it's, it's a it's that good of a deal, right? It's that big of a difference. You know, so on a side note, that's a little tangential, but I've been making my own beef liver pills out of powder. And it's so the reason I'm doing this is that it's really high in B12, but nobody wants to eat liver. So 
We will also give you some beef liver pills with your <laughs> bone broth to make this just super appetizing. Yeah, that's been extremely cost efficient for us because buying like any kind of supplement like that, you could do it. Buying like turmeric is really popular or has been for the last couple of years mm -hmm. um, or different kinds of vitamins. You know, they have their cycles of popularity and people go crazy on the bandwagon for supplements. Uh, but, you know. You, you had a physical need of increasing your B12, and that was a great source of it. Um, so, yeah, you got, you know, actual beef liver powder that was basically de just dehydrated beef liver and decided to make your own pills. That's kind of the cheat way to do it. And then the other thing we were going to look at doing is actually getting beef liver from our farmer's market because it was the same price as getting it in the grocery store anyway. Um, but it's coming directly from where we know the cows are coming from. And doing it, like dehydrating it in like the oven, because uh, we don't have a big, you know, big industrial dehydrator. Most people probably don't. Um, but you can do it that way as well. Make your own powder and then put the powder in the pills. And the pills cost like nothing themselves. But if you were to buy that, it would be 10 times, 20 times the price. At least. And I actually will report back on this because it's kind of a really interesting case study to me to see how much it costs to do it myself versus how much the pills cost and, um, you know, how much I get out of it. So... Yeah, um, I'll, I'll definitely get, keep you guys updated. Um, I'm still early on in the stages, haven't quite dehydrated my beef yet. So. Yeah, I mean, but the whole process end to end is really not that much work. You know, right. putting it in the pills, like we got like something that was like $3 online that was just like a pill filler and you just pour the powder on the thing and it just like fills yeah. the pills and you're done. And, and it's actually really relaxing. I kind of <laughs> compare it to like doing a Sudoku puzzle when back when those were popular. Like it just was totally zen time for never, me. Never thought those were relaxing. I was <laughs> stressed out by the numbers constantly. Um, all right. Well, so we talked about soups and then what is just like soup? Chili. Oh, I love chili. Any time of the year. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, but I, I think of chili as like a fall and winter like comfort food. Because it's just, like, warm and... Yeah, when it starts getting cold, any kind of warm, just giant liquid, just pour it right, in, <laughs> right into my mouth. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've mentioned this company before, and I promise it is not sponsored. We just really like them, but it's nutstop.com. Nutstop it's always a tongue twister. <laughs> um, but we get just dried beans on there, and we cook them, you know, we soak them and cook them ourselves, and then we'll freeze them. And it is a lot cheaper than buying canned beans in the store. Um, even though canned beans are, you know, quite cheap, uh, this is even cheaper. And the nice thing, again, is you control how much salt and seasoning you add, which is great. Mm -hmm. And, we, you know, we're not tied to them necessarily. That's the best deal that we have found. So if you guys know of anything that's even better than that, um, you know, we're open to suggestions as well. So that's, you know, we did our research. We looked at, you know, where, where we could dip, buy different things for price versus quality versus quantity and you know they, they came out as the the one on top uh, for our comparison but if you guys have some hidden gems you know yeah definitely yeah. We're, we'll take a pin we're gonna have to order you more peanuts soon so you're fishing for a good bulk deal oh i love you? peanuts oh man how many peanuts did we order when we got them? 35 pounds oh. and it was about eight months ago and we are running low again i mean with trail mix and we've made our own peanut butter several times and we made peanut butter ice cream i think at one point yeah. and you know there's just a lot of utility for peanuts and sometimes i just eat them for a snack after lunch but luckily we got them for 69 cents a pound so i can't be too upset with you yeah way way cheaper than like a jar of like uh you know planters or whatever in the grocery store yeah. for sure and you know again I, I, I keep saying this, I don't dislike salt, but I like them not being salted because making our own peanut butter, I like just having the raw peanut. 
mm-hmm. to make our own butter, and then we can add maple syrup or cinnamon or whatever seasoning we want. You know, I add a little bit of salt to the peanut butter. Well, too. we do add salt. I mean, even when we make bone broth or when we make beans, we add salt. But then we, you know, we can control, control that, it. and we can add. You know, a lot of times instead of salt, I personally like to use garlic salt because it's like. <laughs> You get the best of both worlds. I don't know if I need that in my peanut butter. Good. We'll we'll do an experiment. We'll try it. We'll report back. Um, All right. Well, I think we covered food pretty well. I know both of us could probably talk about food forever, but... All the time. If you want to do a podcast just about food, I'm your guy. Is there anything else you wanted to add about seasonal? Uh, I think... Oh, for food? No. I think we can move on to, like, uh, homes was the next big one, right? And, you know, ways to improve your home for the winter. Yeah. Um, so my first checklist is to get your furnace inspected. Yep. Um, a lot of times they can just come in and do a simple cleaning or a simple tune-up, and you will actually see immediate gains on your next bill. Yep, we've done that. Uh, we did it on this house because we just moved in about a year ago now, and we've done it on our new investment property that we've gotten, uh, gotten everything cleaned out, tuned up. Uh, they just run so much more efficiently if uh, if you have everything clean and running and there's not dirt and dust on the fans and the motors and the moving mm-hmm. parts on the inside, uh, making sure that your filters are changed. They're like a couple bucks at the store. Just make sure that it's not clogged and dirty and stuff and you're in, you're furnace will run so much better um the throughput of air throughout your house keeping it warmer it doesn't have to try as hard to keep it warm and then therefore it's gonna you know last much longer than it would otherwise yeah and you're gonna save money on the electricity because it's not like fighting to keep the house warm all the time exactly and honestly getting your furnace to last as long as possible is huge um the furnace we have now is actually over 30 years old and in a time where you see pe- some people replacing them at even 10 years, it's like if you can keep it clean and keep it running, you're saving thousands of dollars by yeah. not replacing it. Yeah, so. m- even for like a small furnace, just the, the furnace and the installation fee alone, it's like minimum like $3,000. You can go up over like $12,000 in some houses, right? So Exactly. Uh, it's a big expense and you want to put that off as long as you can and get as many miles out of your, your furnace as you can. It's, treat it no differently than a car because some right. of those big furnaces are more expensive than like you know any you know pretty quality used car right half the price of a of a good brand new car um well and so to go along with efficiency tips in the winter another thing you can do is if you have leaky windows to put up that clear plastic oh yeah that worked uh the last house we were in had terrible leaky windows our bedroom felt like it was a meat locker right especially the closet yeah the closet what do we call that the The freezer freezer yeah (laughs) basically um yeah there was very little insulation in the walls i think in that house the Mm -hmm. windows were terrible you could just like stand up against the window and just like feel the cold air just like rushing in so uh yeah it was bad so that's why we really moved to this house there's windows everywhere in this house it's you know how much older because that house was only 10 years old yeah so that house was you know built in 2003 or something and our current house was built in 1986 but even though you know there's a 20 years difference the windows here are just really well insulated Mm -hmm. um and you know we have windows everywhere in the house but when we were buying this house you know one of the things we wanted in our next house was better insulation because I was sick of freezing all the time. And we wanted south-facing windows to really get that solar gain. Um, And that's why I suggest putting the plastic up over your windows instead of just shutting curtains or something. Mm -hmm. Because if you can leave it open during the day to get that sunlight, since we've been able to do that here, we've noticed that our bills from our old house 
keeping at the same temperature, and actually I feel like this house is a warmer temperature, we've been saving 25 to 40% on our winter bills. Oh yeah, it's a huge difference. Like we notice it, like the furnace doesn't run as much. Like the other one was running all the time. Uh, I was constantly cold in that house also all the time. Um, but yeah, here, I mean, we just leave the windows basically shutters up and wide open all the time we get the daylight sun it's like a 20 degrees different as soon as the sun comes mm -hmm. out and starts warming up the house a little bit and so the sun starts coming into the rooms you can notice if you walk into a room that doesn't have the windows open it's a big deal yeah and so i will say you know if you are in a house that you love and you feel like it's always a little bit cold try adding some insulation into the attic i've known a lot of people who have done that with you know success i think we tried doing that in our old house and didn't quite get it right. We, but. Were, we were leaking air through every <laughs> orifice of the um, place. But I, I know of you know people who have added that and it's helped a lot. So there are some things that you can do and you will see big returns doing these things. So mm -hmm. you know if, if there's that one room that's always cold, you can have the furnace guys look at your ducts and make sure that it's... You know, I, I heard of somebody, they said the duct was just not connected properly. And it, so it wasn't... The air wasn't flowing to a certain room. Um, so if you, you know, if you have issues like that, you can correct them and then you'll actually, you know, be more comfortable and probably saving some money Definitely. with increased efficiency. But it's always a good idea to just, you know, keep it a little bit cooler yeah. in your house than you would otherwise. And, you know, doesn't hurt to wear slippers or like, you know, long pajama pants when you're walking around the house or a sweatshirt or something like that. Uh, a couple degrees in your in your furnace is really makes a big difference to your energy. Exactly. Level. So we keep our house at 65 while we're asleep and 68 when we're up and moving about and home. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people that might seem a little bit cold, but yeah, if you just wake up and throw slippers on, I know a big one I hear is, you know, I wake up and I'm getting ready in the bathroom and I just can't do the cold feet in the morning. Uh, I, I've seen some people get like a small little space heater for their bathroom. And I think that's a great idea because you're still going to come out ahead just by heating that one room that you need instead of trying to heat your whole house to 74 degrees or whatever you really want it at. Right. The space heaters are not really that efficient, right? They're usually big energy suckers, but it's not as bad as your entire furnace would be a heat the whole house, especially exactly. if you just need it to be warm before you go to work or something in the morning. And uh, just in the bathroom. I mean, most bathrooms are pretty compact. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Well, do you, did you want to say anything about else about that? or? Uh, I think we covered most of the topics there. All right. Um, so just a couple other winterizing things. If you have a fireplace, I recommend just stacking up on wood in the fall. Um, you know, a lot of it, the trees are ready to, you know, branches are ready to be trimmed back. So you can kind of source a lot of that. Um, and also, you know, if you have some extra jugs of water, just go ahead and fill them up, top them off. That way, when the weatherman is like, oh, it's going to be an ice apocalypse, you're not rushing to Walmart with everybody else waiting in line trying to get water bottles. Yeah, I mean, this has happened a couple times to us in the last few years. Uh, one of them was really bad a couple years ago where there was three days without power in most areas. And even if you were living in not a suburban area, it was almost a week, right? So people were flocking to hotels. They were flocking to the grocery stores to get everything that they could. Um, every generator in 100 mile radius i think was sold out at every home depot and lowe's and everything right um so if you have something like that great you can get those installed in your furnaces that hook up to like gas or propane um if you want if you're concerned about that maybe that's something to look into um 
but just don't get caught in an emergency. Like you said, yeah, grab the water early, you know, grab as many squashes as you can because those are good all the time. Um, and peanuts. And, and stay good. And peanuts, right? <laughs> Shelf stable. Um, but most people can't stay in their house past like the three-day mark. That's what yeah. happened before is uh, they needed to have the heat and, and the generators or they were just leaving the houses and abandoning exactly. it and trying to find somewhere warm that still had power. Um, so just be prepared for situations like that. You know, it's, it's, it's a rare occurrence, but... Yeah, the water doesn't go bad. Just throw it in the closet somewhere and just in case. Um, yeah. Well, and you know, like, I, I know it's kind of silly to talk about these things that may or may not happen, but the fact is it's better to plan and not need the water jugs and be like, all right, you know, we're just going to drink out of these in the spring to use it up or whatever, than to not plan and then find yourself in that situation and not know what to do. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we always recommend planning ahead in every single podcast. <laughs> it's like our theme. It's like plan for your retirement, plan for your buying a house, plan for your children, and now plan for emergency situations. Planning just saves you money, and you know whether it's in a crisis or not. <laughs> All right. Um, so, and talking about planning ahead, um, I know it's a little bit taboo to talk about Christmas before we've even had Halloween, uh, but if you are planning to travel this Christmas, it's actually a good idea to go ahead and book your plane ticket soon. Um, I think they say 56 days is about the time frame that you should be looking at buying tickets, which we are very close to that window right now for Christmas. So we personally like to use Google Flights, I think is what we use. Yep. And that's, I mean, the reason we picked that one is, uh, you know, overall the services. Google Flights has a mechanism built in that will tell you uh, the past history of the ticket prices for whatever you're looking for specifically and whatever the future aggregate pricing will be based on historical data. Uh, so it'll give you like kind of a trend line or, or a timeline of uh, this is how much this stuff will cost and is it going to go up in price before the deadline? Is it going to go down in price, before, you know, in a couple weeks from now? Um, things like that. So it's not completely accurate, but it's pretty it's pretty good about it. Yeah. And, you know, I will say flights are something that you might look at now and be like, wow, this is kind of expensive. But a lot of times as you wait and you get closer to Christmas, like it's it doesn't usually go down much. No, so it, holiday traveling is a mess anyway. I mean, ideally you avoid it if you can, but uh, the airports, are, there's just a lot of people that travel for the holidays. Yeah. There's no way around it. Everything is going to be sold out and it's going to be busy and crowded. And uh, it's, it's a tough time of year. So for, just be a Scrooge and don't go anywhere. <laughs> that is a great way to save money. Uh, yeah. Cut back on, on your holiday spending for Christmas presents or, or traveling and, you know, fall back on the excuse of, hey, I wanted to pay down this extra debt this year, or, you know, we, you know, we're putting a little bit more toward the house and, you know, we're cutting back in some other areas. Uh, I don't think anybody can really fault you for doing that. Uh, it's a good thing to do. It's very proactive for your life and yeah. it's great for your future. So. And honestly, if somebody told me that, I'd be like, you just gave me the best gift because it meant that you listened to my advice and I would just <laughs> invite you over for dinner and we would have squash. And beans and peanuts. So that sounds great, right? Um, All right. Well, I think we're pretty good here. Uh, So if you are watching on YouTube, please subscribe and leave a comment below if there's anything you would like us to talk about in the future. Um, And if you're, you know, our normal podcast base on Stitcher and iTunes, we appreciate you as well. That's right. Yeah. Feel free to leave a comment in any medium. You know, you have our email address on the website from the podcast uh, or in the comments on the YouTube channel. Uh, I Let me know if you want me to make brome broth. I'll be happy to send it to you. You know, half price what you can find it in the store. It'll be a great deal. And beef liver. And beef liver pills. That's right. All right. Thanks for watching this week's episode of Money in the Bank. 
Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.